0: How's it going everybody welcome to the show it is time for break the business where we empower indie creators and have some fun along the way i'm ryan corella and it's a pleasure to have you here this week and it's a pleasure to be back for our first show of 2022 the holidays are wonderful they've been magical and now we are done with them and we're back to empowering indie creators all over again For those of you who are new to the program, maybe you've just encountered us for the very first time here in 2022, I'll tell you a little bit about what we do around here. I'm Ryan Carella, entertainment lawyer, husband, Virgo, and a big fan of empowering creators like you. I've dedicated my career to it, and we've been doing this podcast for five years now, plus over 300 episodes all about giving you information to move your career forward. Whether you're a musician, whether you're a, you make videos, whether you're a podcaster, whatever kind of creator you are, we're here to give you the information you need to succeed. And we've been doing it for a long time. And for the last six, seven, eight months or so, we've been doing it on live stream. Now we do this on Twitch. We also are a podcast. We're a SiriusXM radio show. You can find us everywhere because we want to get the information out there. And I don't get this information out alone. I am joined by a fantastic coterie of co-hosts and guests. Let me bring out our co host this week, happy to be joined by one of my favorite people in the industry, Zach Sloan. How's it going, Zach? What's
1: up, my man? How
0: you doing? I'm doing so well. How was the holiday break for you, sir?
1: Holidays are great. I mean, I got my daughter. I, talk, I think I talked about that last time I was on. We got a baby now, so her first Christmas was a blast, and it was good what did you what did you do awesome for your holidays ryan well you
0: know we're living in crazy apocalypse time so most (laughs) of it i was just like hiding under my blanket and shivering but it it was a it was a great great holiday and i particularly enjoyed this past weekend because we got our first taste of nfl football i've never actually asked this about you zach and all the time i've known you i know obviously you're a musician and that's the big side of you that i know but are you a football fan at all Do, do you get down with the nfl
1: I used to be uh, I used to be into it more than I am now. I rarely watch anymore. Uh, if you had to, if you, I, I'm a Broncos fan because I live outside of Denver, uh, yeah. and I, my dad grew up outside Denver, so we grew up Broncos fans. If the game is on, I will watch it. I play fantasy football and do exactly what the little numbers tell me to do. Uh, so <laughs> That's how I do it too. Uh, so I don't know, man. It's it's fun. I I admire the sport. I don't understand a lot of it, but it's well, cool.
0: It sounds to me like you, you were—the younger Zach Sloan was into NFL football. You maybe drifted back a little bit in the last few years. Am I gathering that vibe? I have a way to bring you back in, okay? Oh, Because oh, please I do. saw something in last weekend's NFL playoffs that have just changed the football game. And you're going to be all about it, okay? I submit to you that of all the TV networks that cover NFL football, there is one network— that reigns supreme <laughs> that is a thousand times better than all the others and I guarantee you if you watch football on this network you will be so into it and that network is Nickelodeon Nickelodeon, <laughs> Nickelodeon. Did I see Lauren our producer thumbs up T- tell me you at least saw some of the, like, the Twitter posts of this Nickelodeon NFL broadcast oh.
1: I did it looks amazing and ridiculous and it might be the way I could I could get in on it I'll tell you one thing Nickelodeon has got to do you guys got to kill the mics on the field because I, I saw a super cut of every time a curse word got bled through to Nickelodeon because they had mics on the field and it was hilarious. So, Man. well, but like, it was great. Dude, I loved what they did with the first down lines, the little slime on it. Come on. That's all. Oh,
0: this like, or just random. Like there would just be times where uh, whenever you kick a field goal, uh, the, the inside of like the, U of the field goal is SpongeBob's face. <laughs> and if they successfully kick the field goal, SpongeBob smiles, this very big smile, and these slime cannons shoot slime onto the field. I mean it's it's revolutionary. Like CBS, NBC, Fox, they need to up their game because Nickelodeon is the new dominant TV network when it comes to NFL football. I can't I can't even imagine football without SpongeBob anymore.
1: You know what anyway. I say? Power to him and I, I Nickelodeon. I, I urge you, let's up the game. I want to see what other crazy stuff you can have. I want you to bring in somehow, weave in Double Dare to your NFL coverage. That's what I Ooh.
0: want. Ooh, um, I mean, absolutely. Like, I mean, Mark Summers needs to be involved. Yes. In some way, shape, or form, with NFL coverage going forward, I'm, I'm 100% with you on that. And if you, would, if you may not believe this, Zach, but this isn't going to be the first. This isn't going to be the only time we talk about Nickelodeon this week on the show. So uh, people can look forward to that. But first, I want to mention coming up after the break, our guest this week is going to be Megan Carey, a singer-songwriter activist that I have come to adore. Ch- listen to her music over the holidays. Really, really liked it. Amazed with the work that she's doing with her River Rock project, shining a spotlight on women's equality. Just really fantastic. She's, she has a great story to share. We're going to talk about the work she's doing with Patreon. She's going to have a lot of great advice for the indie creators. That's going to be fantastic. But to Nickelodeon again, Zach. Uh, while we were on break, my friend, the Twitch creator Pokimane, who is this absurdly popular Twitch creator, with n- nearly 9 million followers, I think I checked this out recently, yep. a- actually got suspended on the platform while we were on break because uh, for copyright violations because she was streaming old episodes of the Nickelodeon cartoon. See, so yeah, I brought us back to it. Avatar surf- The Last Airbender on her channel. Uh, I mean, w- were you an Air- Avatar Last Airbender fan, or was that uh, after your time, too?
1: That No, I didn't. Honestly, I didn't get into, like any sort of anime of any kind until recently when I realized it was actually like a legitimate storytelling media. Yeah. Um, but I got to tell you, after reading about it, because I don't follow her on, on uh, Twitch, although you should follow Break the Business on Twitch. Uh,
0: we almost have as many followers as Pokemon.
1: Almost. <laughs> just for right there, just nipping yeah, out of heels. We're there. Um, I got to tell you, I wasn't necessarily surprised when I read what happened. Yeah, uh, and what, what was refreshing is I don't think she was either.
0: <laughs> no, yeah, she, she. It seemed like it. So let me. Uh, I'll tell everybody what happened here. So what she did was this thing that's kind of been going around Twitch now called a TV meta, where basically all this Twitch streamer does, they just show a TV episode in their entirety, and then usually have they'll have their own little box camera on the screen. Maybe they'll provide some commentary. They'll chat with their followers and sort of like a group watch experience. Of uh, television, you know, the streamers call it group watch. The Twitch aficionados call it TV meta. Lawyers like me, we call it copyright infringement. <laughs> and apparently, so did Twitch, and that's why they shut down her account for 48 hours. But this event has uh, caused a lot of chatter on the socials and with Twitch creators, because she's not the only Twitch creator to do this. These these TV metas, people love this collective viewing experience, and so a lot of people are asking, like. Is this something we can do? Are there ways that we can do it without getting in trouble with Twitch? Uh, what about this thing we keep hearing about fair use? Isn't what she did fair use? And so you know, I, I want to talk about like some of those stories. But uh, first, uh, the, the first thought I had about this, before I even got into the legal side, before I even got to turn my lawyer brain on, is just how old this story made me feel. Because Pokimane has said that she's been watching Avatar The Last Airbender for a sense of like... I wanted to know I wanted to watch a retro show because she's too young for Avatar The Last Airbender Like it was on the air when she was like a very little kid so we've gotten to the point Zach, where The generation that's cool on Twitch now is like two generations of Nicktoons past us because like she wasn't watching our shows to get like a sense Run, of Run, retro Run, yeah. no ren yeah. and stimpy no doug not even like an all uh, real monsters to take it a little bit later no her idea of retro nicktoons was avatar the last airbender so past our time just uh, i know it, it's so so heartbreaking but to the legal side of this um basically what twitch streamers need to know because I think there are a lot of Twitch streamers who are doing this. I know a lot of them immediately started deleting their TV meta videos from their videos on demand once this, uh, once Pokimane got her uh, account taken down for two days. And basically what you just need to know is that this is generally not a smart thing to do. Uh, TV metas are a dangerous genre for your streaming account. Uh, Twitch is going to be on the hunt for these. You're going to get your account banned if you have a lot of followers. And you can get caught with this. Uh, It's pretty easy for the TV networks to track that you're putting up these videos because it's pretty. uh, It's not. We can't really like be surreptitious about just putting up a whole TV show. And as for this question of fair use, um, I'll I'll mention two things. One is that um, you know generally, if you're just showing something in its entirety, you know all the way through, and then maybe you're just popping in a piece of commentary or two. No court in the universe is going to call that fair use. Um, and secondly, even if, because you know, generally, like you know, you, fair use will allow you some amount of commentary. Like you can provide commentary on stuff, but courts are going to look at how much material you're taking, right? And they're not going to want you to take more material than you need. To serve your purpose. So if you are commenting on Avatar The Last Airbender, you don't need to show an Avatar The Last Airbender episode in its entirety to comment on it. You can just take the clips that you need to talk about the components you want. So you're never going to win a fair use case there. Secondly, here's the, the general thing that I like to tell creators when it comes to fair use on anything, which is don't hang your hat on fair use. Fair use is a complicated, convoluted doctrine i mean i wrote my dissertation in law school on it and it's still hard for me to explain and there is no hard and fast rule anybody who tells you oh parody is always fair use or if you use less than eight seconds it's fair use there are no hard and fast rules with fair use fair use is whatever the judge says it is and every case is a case-by-case basis which means you don't get to make the fair use argument until you've been sued And once you've been sued, that's game over because you're paying a lawyer. You're going before a court. uh, You are dealing with uh, depositions and expensive trials and everything else. So you can't rely on something that can only be given to you by a court because that means you've already made it to litigation. So whatever you think fair use is, creators, please don't rely on it.
1: I always say I'm I'm an attorney, too. But anytime you hear legal stuff, you should pay more attention to Ryan than me because I don't practice anymore. But there's always two things I tell people. You don't understand the Constitution and you don't understand fair use. Those are you need an attorney <laughs> desperately. If you're gonna be dealing with fair use and you're gonna hang your head on that, like Ryan said, consult with somebody first because it's a big problem and it's not the shield people think it is.
0: Yeah, it's it's really not like what fair like fair use is less like the shield that protects you and more of like the life preserver that somebody is throwing at you. Uh, you know that hopefully the rope is long enough, and you're going to catch it before you drift away. Like maybe you'll catch that life preserver, but like you don't want to stake your life on it. Better to stay on the boat to begin with, because like you know, generally you're not going to get to a fair use question until you've already ended up in court, at which point you've already lost. Like there are no winners in litigation, right? I always I, I say this sure. as a transactional lawyer. You know, in terms of like keeping people out of court, people will say, "Well, if I do this, am I am I going to lose a lawsuit?" And I say, "If you get sued, you've already lost. Like there are no winners in litigation. There's the people that lose and the people that lose a little less because everybody has to pay the lawyers, which means
1: everybody loses." And as a former trial attorney, I can tell you, he's absolutely right.
0: Oh my God, you've done trials? Oh my oh, yeah. God, jeez. So like, you you know this? Like, litig- like, I don't have firsthand experience with uh, with litigation. I've litigated one. Motion in my life. It was a five-minute motion. I lost. I am zero one in in litigation, and I, God forbid, I ever have to go back there and do it again. But you know how litigation is. It's expensive, right? It's it's scorched earth. Like it's it's uh, you know it's a zero-sum game. Like no, like everybody's just trying to you know get an advantage over everybody else.
1: It's brutal, and the psyche, the 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 damage it does to an individual psyche going through the process is punishment enough. Never mind you're paying for that damage. So seriously people, listen to Ryan. This guy knows what he's talking about. Well, and here's the other
0: thing with copyright that I think people need to think about when they say, "Oh, uh,
1: yeah, I'll, I'll just
0: broadcast avatar the last airbender or do something involving, you know, I'll do I'll I'll do something that I know is going to be copyright infringing, but I know I can rely on fair use because a lot of artists make the calculation often correct that oh, maybe I won't get sued because it's very expensive to sue me. And so they'll just, you know, they they won't even go through the trouble. Problem is, uh, in the next few months, uh, uh, the Copyright Office is about to implement the Case Act, which is a small claims copyright court that's been created that can handle small dollar suits. You don't have to hire lawyers. And the problem is a lot of people, a lot of uh, blood-sucking kind of, You know suing heavy copyright plaintiffs are going to use this form as a way to just drown people in lawsuits so you're going to see a lot more cases which means uh, people are going to be a lot more vulnerable and when we talked last year on the show about the taylor swift case and how the fact that she's going to be going standing trial for a copyright lawsuit on a bogus copyright claim Goes to show you how even the most ridiculous copyright claims can still end up in front of a jury and be quite expensive. So you generally want to take a better safe and sorry attitude when it comes to copyright. Because even if even if you can avoid court on your Twitch account, you can still get banned. If you have multiple strikes, you can lose your channel. Imagine if you're one of these like pokey main type creators with millions of followers, where your whole career is on tr- Twitch. you make you know your whole income is on Twitch, and you make a mistake. And that, and that channel, that followers, that income is gone overnight.
1: Yeah. I mean, and, you know, Ryan, the way, the way you're describing this makes me think that it's time to announce I'm opening up my own blood-sucking law firm. And I'm going to go start. No, is that, <laughs> is that not on brand here? Uh, no, but what, you know what you really reminded me of is the people who back in the day, and, I'm gonna, and Pokimane doesn't know what I'm talking about when I talk about Vine. But a lot of the artists <laughs> who hung their hat on Vine and then when it went away were just done. Like they had no backup plan. So, if you're a Twitch streamer, get an email list going. You need to have that.
0: Yeah, you need you need you need real estate in the world that is yours. You need real estate on the internet that's yours. Website, email list. When 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 guys like you and me, Zach, when we talk to the young artists about email lists, like we we must just look like their crazy grandfathers. But it's so so important. mailing lists have always been important because even in our day like you you probably you've probably been playing music long enough zach that you probably had the snail mail list at one point right you would pass around the sheet of paper and people would write their mailing addresses on it you'd send the newsletters
1: oh yeah we i i remember sending out physical press kits to venues wow like putting a box in the mail like i (laughs) It's yes. ridiculous.
0: It's Me- ridiculous. Me- Megan Carey, our guest uh, coming up in the next segment, was laughing hysterically at the notion of the physical press kit. See, we we, we all have our war stories. The demo tape, gotta de- have.
1: Yeah. Sending cassettes out, oh my
0: goodness. Mm. Oh, it's brutal. (laughs) So please be careful out there creators, especially uh, because now that somebody like Pokimane's getting hit, it means that these copyright holders are gonna be even more aggressive about enforcement. There's blood in the water. So if you have these videos up on your VODs, delete them before somebody finds them and you get hit with a DMCA notice. And uh, be very careful about doing anything like this on your live streams going forward. One other quick story, Zach, before we bring in Megan here. Because as you know, Zach, we can't go a week on this show without either praising Taylor Swift or hating on Spotify. Those are the you had mentioned this in the pre-show. Those are like like every week we have to do one of those two things on this show. And since last week we praised Taylor Swift, or last episode we praised Taylor Swift, this episode we have to hate on Spotify. And thankfully spotify gave us some plenty to hate about so digital music news is reporting that spotify may be poised to raise its subscription fees for its paid accounts in 2022 and this is after spotify has already raised subscription prices throughout europe and the uk and has raised the prices of the family plan here in us so far their 9.99 price point for us subscribers is holding firm but there is some rumblings that that might be changing and keep in mind that this is happening while Spotify continues to pay the lowest streaming rates uh, to its artists of most major streaming services. Uh, I looked at the what the latest numbers are on that in terms of like what Spotify's per stream rate is, and it was lower than I even thought. Uh, right now, Spotify is paying about three to four tenths of a cent per stream, so if you you know, just think about how many streams you would need just to make $100 on that platform. And you can contrast that with a streaming service like Apple Music, which uh, pays out a cent per stream. One stream, one cent, 100 streams gets you a dollar. And if you're wondering why Apple can afford to pay its artists three times as much as Spotify does, what most experts are going to tell you, and there's a lot of truth to this, is it comes down to the economics of how these platforms are set up spotify has a subscription tier and a free tier right like most when you first sign up for a spotify account they don't ask you for a dime you can listen to music and you have to listen to ads if you don't want to listen to the ads then you can get the paid account but the problem is a significant amount of spotify's listeners are still on that ad supported tier which doesn't bring as much money into the service Contrast that with Apple Music, which does not have a free tier; it only has the paid tier, and as a uh, as a result, there's more money coming in uh, per user on Spotify or on Apple Music, and so they're paying three times as much. So my fear is that when Spotify raises its prices, and then still has a free option, what are people going to do? <laughs>
1: Just, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. You know, I'm going to switch over to Apple Music because I have an iPhone now, and so well, there you I'm go. thinking about doing it anyway. Yeah. I mean. But I think I think I won't be alone. I think people are going to vacate. Yeah, um,
0: they're going to scurry back to the free option, right? Yep. You know, and and that means less money coming into the service, and and so what you're seeing is like less money's coming into Spotify service. More artists are putting their music on Spotify, so there's more songs chasing fewer dollars, and so you're getting these uh, comically low per stream rates and you know so i mean spotify has it backwards like i almost am at the point where, now where i think there needs to be like a legal intervention where congress has to say you're not allowed to have a free tier anymore like because spotify's argument always has been like oh we need the free tier because it's sort of like the gateway drug into the paid subscriptions like we we get them in on the free tier and then that brings them to the paid tier except it hasn't like it just keeps people at the free tier meanwhile apple music which never had a free tier doesn't seem to be having any trouble problems getting people to pay subscriptions on their platforms. And so this is like, you know, Spotify once again, adopting measures that might help with their user base, might help sell ads on their platform, but is leaving less money in artists pockets.
1: And I'm skeptical of anybody who makes the drug dealer assertion. Like (laughs) this is how a good drug dealer would do it. (laughs) Like, come on, like, come on, you you guys get it together. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I don't think any other service provider like Spotify offers the free tier like they do.
0: Well, certainly not as openly and as as brazenly. Because, like, Pandora's
1: is a very different thing, right? Like but I've got my own issue with Pandora, but I'm trying to think of just the the choice streaming things.
0: Well, title. I think title doesn't have a free tier. That's another one
1: title still around. Oh, (laughs) oh, my bad. (laughs) My bad. I thought when Jay Z sold off his shares, they just closed up shop.
0: Uh, they pay more than Spotify. I think they're at least two or three times as much too.
1: That's true. All four of their users are paying. (laughs) I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to turn break the business into a dump on dunk on title situation. We're dunking on Spotify here. Uh, so, Ryan, I want to pitch this to you. Instead yeah. of Congress pushing for a f- limit on the tier, would Congress, do? You can you see, I mean, wild speculation here, setting a minimum per stream royalty rate?
0: I'd like to see something to that effect. And, and so, great question. I would say my first answer to that question is, like, you can't get Congress to do anything anymore. Like, Congress has done congressing forever and ever. So, like— I mean you can't get 60 votes to break a filibuster on ice cream is delicious. So but you know let's pretend we live in a world where there's actually like a congress that wants to do something, okay? Here's what I think works in the favor of something like you're talking about happening eventually someday. So what you're talking about Zach has already been bandied about on the other side of the pond. There's some there's a lot of movement in the EU right now to adopt some kind of minimums and things like that. So You're know, you not the first person to propound this, and hopefully more people will propound it domestically. Here's the other thing that I think supports maybe someday us getting there, which is we've already kind of done it a little bit on the songwriter side. So all the per stream rates we're talking about now are what the owners of the sound recording gets paid. But songwriters get paid on these services too, and those rates are set largely by the government or outside sources, the mechanical licenses, are largely set by uh, government floors, and the performance royalties are set by the, uh, you know, the performance rights organizations, the ASCAPs, BMI, and CSAC, that make sure that you know some kind of minimum amount gets paid. And that sort of semi-legislative structure has kind of held sway. and so a lot of people could say, well, if we're willing to adopt some kind of floor and some kind of collective action on the songwriting side to boost the numbers up, why couldn't we see that on the sound recording side as well? And I think the first example that I've seen legislatively of something that might kind of work in that regard is what Congressman Ted Deutsch has been proposing, and we're going to have him on uh, later in 2022. I think we're having him on in two weeks. Uh, he created, he proposed a bill that says, "Yeah, I think that collective action could boost these rates." And so what he wants to do is create a law that would allow independent creators to band together as like a union of sorts and then collectively bargain with a Spotify to get better rates while well, they're saying, hey, we represent 10,000 musicians. If you want all 10,000 of us on your platform, Spotify, you need to give us this minimum rate. So it's not a legislative solution in the sense that Congress is saying here's what the minimum is, but it's a legislative solution in that it's going to empower the little artists to band together to use their collective power to go after a Spotify and get a better deal. And I'd be lying if I said I wasn't at least intrigued by that proposition and want to see where it goes.
1: I'm intrigued by it? You know how hard it is for me to schedule band practice for five people? (laughs) Like, you want to get 10,000 musicians together? You know what, CD Baby, I'm calling on you. We're gonna need you because we're not gonna do this on our own.
0: So what you're saying is, like, even if uh, Congressman Deutsch can pass this bill, we're going to run into this world where it's going to be like when you schedule a band practice and, like, you know, you call up the bassist and you say, dude, you were five minutes away and he hasn't even left the house yet. And like some and, the other, and you're and of course, your your lead singer just asleep. Right. Because yeah. he, he always sleeps at three in the afternoon. And you're saying we we're never going to be able to get all of those people to, like, show up at some massive union meeting to collectively bargain against Spotify. <laughs>
1: uh what i'm saying is it's like the the members of my band are all very like professional and together and it's very hard just to get <laughs> us together i can't imagine okay cd baby i'm looking at you ari her stand you need to do something get some people together you're the man for this um ari ari is the one
0: he he is going to be the the leader that brings us all together he like I mean, he was the one that like, pretty much single-handedly yeah. got AB5 amended in California to help musicians. If anybody can lead this movement, I think he is our savior that will get us through the desert. I can't say enough nice things about Ari Hurston. Great guy. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and uh, we'll talk to another great musician, uh, Megan Carey, coming up next here on Break the Business. Ryan Corella here. I hope you're enjoying the show, and I hope that you're getting a lot out of it. I do what I do because I care about creators like you a lot. I've dedicated my career to helping creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations move forward. I do it by hosting this program, and I'm also proud to do it in my legal practice. If you're a creative professional looking for solutions-oriented legal services to help you further your goals, I'd love to help. My firm, RKPA, does contracts, commercial law, copyright, trademark, and more. Visit rkpa-law.com to learn more. That's rkpa-law.com. Ryan A. Carella, PA, Miami, Florida.
2: Streaming services for Break the Business provided by LEK Entertainment. LEK Entertainment is a full-service entertainment company offering everything from consultations to full-scale events and productions, including audio and video productions, voiceovers, staged theatrical productions, script and music development, and streaming services. For more information, visit lekentertainment.com. L.E.K. Entertainment wants to help you bring your story to life.
0: Thanks for supporting Break the Business. If you have a question or topic that you want us to discuss, email us at breakthebusiness@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can follow the host, that's me, on Twitter at Ryan KAIR, and you can follow the show at the BTB Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and on all major podcast platforms. And now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Break the Business, everybody, on SiriusXM, Satellite Radio 145, on all major podcast platforms, and right here on Twitch. YouTube Live, Facebook Live. If you're checking us out on the live stream, we very much appreciate it. Happy to be back for our first show of 2022 with my main man, Zach Sloan. Uh, Let's go ahead and bring out our guest this week. She is a singer, songwriter, and activist who Inside World Music once called a beacon of light. In the world of female folk music, our guest will be launching her Patreon platform and also founded the River Rock Project that shines a spotlight on those fighting for women's quality. You can find out more about our guest's work by visiting www.megancarry.com. We are thrilled to welcome Megan Carey on to break the business. Hello, Megan. Hello. <laughs> oh, Good to see you. I am so happy to put a face to the awesome music that I have been enjoying over the holiday.
2: Oh, I'm so glad you got to listen to some stuff. That's, that's
0: oh, wonderful. it was it was absolutely tremendous. I want to hear, I want to hear more about uh, just your approach to art because as I was listening to your music over the break, Megan, I was like, I gotta, I gotta learn more about her process and just, and and just sort of uh, her views on things. And like I, I was looking over your web materials, and I, I was reading something that you once wrote in the past about the importance of using art to share stories. And I just want to read this quote Uh, because it blew my mind, you said, when we share our story, we not only bring it out into the light and dispel the shadows that exist for ourselves, but we inspire others to do the same with their own. I mean, first of all, snap, 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 like super, (laughs) super profound. I dig it. Um, But I'd love for you to tell us more about that. How do you do that with your music?
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, honestly, I'm I'm a storyteller first and foremost. I picked up a guitar because um, I i don't know if you've read about this, but I, I, I lost somebody in my life. I, uh, my fiancé passed away. This is many years ago. And I picked up his guitar and I started writing my grief into song. And um, it was basically sharing the story that was just bubbling to the top. And I i found that for me it was very healing, but I also found that as, as I went out and started Sharing my story and my songs with people, people would come up to, to me after a show and say, you know, oh, you know, this. They would just, they would just spout what was happening with them. That that somehow this resonated with them. My story, and it might have been they were just went through a bad breakup or or something that you know that resonated in their lives, and then they shared their story, and I could just see it, the weight lift off of them, you know. I thought, oh yeah, that that's what happened to me when I told this story. That weight just lifted off, and um, so I, I think right now in the world, it's so important that we um, I mean, we have so much weighing down on us right now. <laughs> you know, we all need to, to do that. But but there's also the 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 importance of listening to other people's stories and and sharing our own because it. It promotes compassion and empathy. And that's something that we could really use right now in um, in the world.
0: Uh, this it's the thing I sort of love the most about the way you approach your music. As you started your career, from what I'm inferring here, you started in music as a way to heal yourself. And then quickly expanded your operation to use music as a way to heal others you know first as you were saying it was the people immediately around you in your near vicinity would come up after you come up to you after a show and talk about how your music helped them process some sort of grief or, or feelings that they were having and then we smash cut to where we are today where you are using your music to effect good on a grand scale with this uh, the river rock project uh you know which uh you know just really i was so so impressed by and just love the the river rock song that's sort of attached to the project can you tell us a little bit about this project and how you're using music to import uh, to uh, to uh, promote a really important cause
2: absolutely absolutely the thing about music is that you know people rally around it and and it 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 draws attention and it and it makes us all um, you know when we sing together there's this thing that happens we our voices they resonate, and when, when things resonate, they it, it, it the vibrations increase, and it actually changes like the energy in a room or in a field or wherever you are, and um, so music is so powerful. So when when it, two years ago, we were, it was the 100th anniversary of the ratification of the 19th Amendment that gave women the right to vote, and... Um, my mom was a huge, a huge um, uh, advocate for women's rights. Uh, she was, oh, she, she spent her life trying to get the ERA passed and uh, that's the Equal Rights Amendment, yeah. which never, it never happened. Um, but uh, she was the president of the League of Women Voters. She was all those things. So I think that she was a little bit of an inspiration when, when, uh, when this, this, this celebration, this year of celebration came around. I was like, I, I have to, I have to, Um, put my music behind it, because that's what it needs. And, you know, I don't know if there's a story that that I heard that I had never heard before that was such an inspiration for the River Rock Project. Um, These suffragists here in Pennsylvania were trying to get attention, uh, you know, around the 19th Amendment, because they had to get men to vote... For a woman's right to vote, so they yeah, had to, to get men their
0: own political power. Yeah,
2: right, right. So, like, and, and remember, like, well, we, why do we care? We we already we already get a say, you know, so they they needed to get the attention of these men. So, so they actually, you know, um, for the nineteen twenties, they they were dressing quite quite scantily, but anyway. But that's that's not that's not what I was going to tell you about. I was going to tell you about this. They, they they decided to create a replica of the Liberty Bell, you know, the Liberty Bell with the crack here in sure, Philadelphia. Sure. Yeah. They so they created this like. You know, I don't know how many ton bell, and they they tuck it on the back of a, a flatbed pickup truck, and they went around the state and later the country, and 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 everywhere they went, they they would stop and make a big hoopla. They would get the local marching band and the and the choir from the church, and they would have all this music and 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 get you know have that draw everybody in, and then they would make a big show of ringing this bell. You know the the sound of the bell, and um, but what they'd done is they had taken the the clapper the part that makes the bell ring and they had chained it to the side so it didn't make any sound so you know they'd make this big show of okay we're going to ring the, the this this justice bell they go to ring it and it didn't make any noise and everyone's was like why what's going on it doesn't make any noise all the men are like why doesn't make any noise why does it not make any noise so well because it's not making any sound because it's chained its voice is chained, just like us. Its voice is chained, and it cannot ring out and be heard. So we are asking you to unchain our voices and let us be heard. And, you know, it didn't happen right away, but it did eventually move these these men to vote for the ratification of the 19th Amendment in Pennsylvania. And and my, my goal... Uh, in 2020 and still moving forward um, we we work with all sorts of um, vote voting groups is is for you know we've been we've earned this voice and we really need to raise it because because um, if we all raise our voices it's gonna resonate and it's gonna vibrate and we're gonna be heard so let's go ahead and do it
0: <laughs> yeah it's it's a fantastic project and I really enjoyed that story and as I was reading your materials, uh, one of the things that like, kind of was like a light bulb moment in my head, which I think is a good lesson for artists today to learn, especially the ones that want to get into activism, is to take the example of those suffragists. So I- I've heard a lot of artists tell me that they want to bring activism into their art. They They know the role that it plays, but that the current state of the world, particularly the pandemic, makes it really difficult to like be an activist, because at this point we're just trying to make it through each day. And I think there's a lesson to be drawn from the suffragist movement, because as you've noted in your materials, they were dealing with their own pandemic during the, the Spanish, Spanish flu. flu. That's uh, right. The Equal Rights Amendment was ratified in what, 1920, which was like right when the pandemic was happening. And they were able to Im- effect this amazing, incredible change. So can you talk about that? Like what are the lessons that artists can draw from that with they want to get into their own activism and are thinking that this is like the wrong world to try to be an activist in right now?
2: <laughs>
3: Well, uh, pivot, pivot, pivot! Oh my gosh, <laughs> I can't
2: tell you how many times the the plan, the original plan for this, the, you know, for the this project was we're gonna make this music video of my song River Rock, and we were gonna have a hundred women and the men who support them gather and you know join me coming in you know a couple at a time until we have this huge choir of a hundred people singing the, the chorus of of River Rock together. And of course, that you know, we were planning this in, in January, February, and we were supposed to start shooting in March. And you know, that that wasn't going to happen. So, so we had to pivot, and and oh, well, we'll just push it off, and then, then you know, pushing off and pushing off, and finally, we ended up deciding that what we were going to do is just um, do it digitally. And and honestly, um, we went from this vision that I thought, oh, you know, y- you have to let. Hmm. You have to you have to have the intention and have the vision, but you have to understand that it may not happen. It may you may not get there the way you think mm-hmm. you have to get there. So I had this vision of all these people raising their voices together on this song, and it, and it didn't happen in front of the justice bell with everybody there live. But it instead it happened with people from around the country and around the world. Sending in videos of themselves singing along and we put them into this into this this music this anthem video And so instead of having just just a hundred people from This small area that could be here in the Philly area people from all over the world ended up being in this video so in the end it was actually even more of what my intention was but it just didn't get there the way that I thought I was going to. So, you know, you got to kind of, you have to be a control freak and not a control freak at the same time. Kind of, kind
0: of I, like, I like that. You got to I mean, the, the, the secret to, I mean, just being a great artist activist or just being a great artist. I think that's it. You got to right, Zach. You got to be a control freak and not a control freak. You have to be ready to make changes on the fly and understand that, Change is inevitable, and you gotta have, you know, be always mindful of that keyword. You're gonna have to pivot uh, because <laughs> activism can still happen even in a pandemic. You just have to be willing to be nimble and make changes on the fly. And as Megan's example shows, Zach, right, that if you are able to pivot and be nimble, you might actually wind up creating a final product that's better than anything you imagined before. That's right.
2: That's right. That's
1: I exactly agree. Right. And what I'm curious about, Megan, is. When do you know it's time to let go of a previous idea
0: Ooh. and move? Wow,
2: well, you know, you, you might be asking the wrong p- person because I'll tell you what—I was just—I was holding on to the very bitter end. I was like, oh, you know. I—I um, I think the truth is the truth is that um, you, you have to. There's a lot of trust. You, you have to. You have to surround yourself first of all with people that you trust. So when they tell you, "Hey, Megan or artist or whoever you are," It's time to it's it's time to let that go. It's not going to mm-hmm. happen that way. That you can trust them and you can you know. Um, so so I I think the way you know is is in your gut. You just and and you have to replace it with you have to you have to remind yourself it's still going to happen. It's just not going it, to. It's I'm just not in charge of exactly how it's going to happen. You know, it's it's still going to happen. Because I have this, if I can imagine something, and this is something I've been thinking about a lot lately. If, if I can imagine something, then it can happen. Because I can imagine it. If it, 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 it exists. The, if the idea exists. It can happen. Um, I just, the, the, the getting to it is, is not entirely up to me um, as much as I'd like it to be.
0: <laughs> it's almost as if fate plays a role. Like the oh, yeah. the final product is always is there, and you just have to kind of let the the current carry it to where it needs to be, mm-hmm. and understand that you know you know as a, as one of my old professors used to say, if you want to make God laugh, make plans. Um, <laughs> right. you know, Wait,
3: and so yeah.
0: um, I I do want to give the listeners a chance to hear the River Rock Anthem, which you have uh, so so charitably uh, volunteered to play for us on the show. But before we do. I would be remiss if I didn't give you a chance to talk about a really cool launch event you have coming up uh, next month on February 7th. You are launching your Patreon page. I'm a big fan of Patreon. Zach loves Patreon. We've been singing the praises of this really cool artist-empowering platform since the beginning of Break the Business. So I'd love to hear about what you're doing with it, because anything that encourages our listeners and viewers to learn more about Patreon, I'm all for that.
2: Oh, that's great. That's great. It is. It's an incredible platform, because it you know for for artists it's it's great because it's you know provides us hopefully with a a, a regular income and, and something that that we can kind of count on especially in this crazy time when there's not much to count on but um but for me in particular right now i miss playing live i i, I really love connecting with people on the stage and and from the stage to the audience and backstage and just i just connecting with people is why I started making music I didn't I didn't start writing songs to play them you know to myself and like, I, like I, I'm I'm not that kind of musy. I, I I write songs because I really have a story I want to share and I and I want to watch you I, I want to I want to be there with you but so so I haven't been able to do that and so this the this patreon platform is allowing me for for my patreon I'm doing a lot of um a lot of stuff that that involves um i mean there's there's the access to sort of my backstage process and songs and process and and my writing process and and when i do on tour like little backstage tours and things like that there's there's that but i'm also offering um uh live streams of what i'm calling the sounding board sessions because i also happen to be the kind of writer who will come to a, a I used to go to the Bitter End a lot when I first was a baby artist. That's where I used to play the Bitter End in, in the village. City. Yeah, in the village on oh, Bleeker yeah. Street. Oh, yeah.
0: Um, cool. Yeah, I'm an NYU man, so I love the Bitter End.
2: Oh, okay, yeah. So that's that's yeah, right. So it's it was the it was where I where my my career was born, and uh, I used to show cool. up there. I would show up with a song that was like um, just. Half, almost there, you know, but didn't have it. Didn't have the last verse, or didn't didn't know how it was gonna end, or maybe it needed a bridge. And I would literally finish it in front of the audience because, because that's like, that's how much I need the audience. So one of my perks of my of my Patreon, if you become a member at I think tier two, is these live stream sessions called sounding board sessions, where I'll be bringing these songs that that need that feedback to to be finished, and I'll be finishing them in front of my with with my my vip fans um and then i'm also uh creating a a community for sort of uh, a safe space to share stories where we'll all be sharing stories with each other because like i said i think that the compassion and empathy that is born inspired by sharing stories is so important right now so creating a space where we can do that with the goal being that We'll come out with a song that either I write or we write or maybe someone else goes off and says, I am going to go and write a song about that and I'll bring it back next time. You know, so so those are some of the things that I'm offering for this Patreon. And we're launching on February 7th. Um, I think I, I, I sent you a link. Maybe you can post it with, you know this it's one of those too hard to say what the link is <laughs> to sign up it's got, for the, but it's you has got a lot of letters and numbers it's in got it, a yeah. lot of letters and numbers but you can go to <laughs> megancarry.com and and it'll be up there um and you can sign up for the the launch event which is going to be songs and stories and um, a little songwriting on the fly uh because that's always fun to take a little spin around the dance floor with the muse
0: Well, I am so, so stoked for this. I'm such a proponent of the potential that Patreon has and particularly what it can do in terms of turning fans into superfans and creating a really great experience and mechanism for fans to get closer to the artists they love, to get that higher tier of support where they can support the artists they love. And I love the idea of you interacting with your fans and having them help you kind of write songs. Uh, Mary Amber does something like that. She's a, right, you remember Zach, like uh, she's been on the podcast before um and you know is a big supporter of the show and she it's one of her most popular segments where her super fans get to come in the ones that subscribe on her twitch account are kind of like the higher tier supporters and they all get together and uh, they get to watch her write a song maybe you know throw some ideas at her and they really get to feel part of the process so i think what you're doing is definitely a winning formula God. and uh i i want to give people a reason to check out that patreon and i think what's going to get them convinced is to hear uh, your song. Uh, can, would you would you be willing to play uh, the River Rock Anthem for us? Sure,
2: sure, I will.
0: All right, I well, uh, Zach and I, we're going to get our boxes out of your way on the screen here so that the audience can just check you out. Uh, this is Megan Carey here on Break the Business.
2: Well, this is... Uh, thanks so much for having me do this, uh, Ryan. This is... I, I'd, like to, I'd like to take my glasses off first. I can't sing with my glasses on. I don't know what that is, but anyway... Um, I'd like to sing this song for all of the women who have been brave and bold enough to speak their truth, especially right now, especially when society doesn't want to hear it. Keep speaking up. This is called River Rock. And you can sing along if you want to. And people may think you're crazy because you're singing along to the computer or whatever in your living room, but that's okay. You may be jogging along, listening to a podcast, sing out, Louise.
3: I am no one's baby, I am not a girl I have spent some decades rattling around this world I am not the next new thing, no, I've been here too long I have spent my life turning stories into song. I am not silver, I am not gold No precious metal for you to mold Tumbled smooth by the rush of life, this life I choose. I have come to see things through a prism lens. As I make this journey closer to its end, it turns out I'm troubled by much of what I see. But Oppression.
2: Were you singing?
0: <laughs> Megan Carey, everybody, here on Break the Business. Find out more about her excellent music by checking out MeganCarey.com. And that's uh, the M E G H A N spelling and the C A R Y spelling. Uh, Megan, that was amazing. But but since you cut your teeth at the bitter end, I'm not the least bit surprised that that was awesome because you know, you came from like one of the coolest music venues around, <laughs>
2: and you went to NYU, one of the coolest universities around. So there well,
0: you, go. you know, yeah. So we we can you know, you, you played at uh, at Lady Gaga's uh, venue, and I went to her school. So. But, so there you go. But you're you're still much much cooler. Um, you know. <laughs> just uh we're, we're endlessly impressed by not just your music but your your activism your your spirit as a creator the things that get you into music there's a lot that indie creators can love about you and learn from you and so we're happy to have you on the program before we let you go megan one last question that we love to af- ask the guests around here do you have any last tips for the indie creators out there to help them move their careers forward
3: yeah
2: i do um when I was living in New York City, I was an actor, too, and I, and I did a lot of Shakespeare, and I used to come across passages where, you know, it's like so that complicated language. I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm saying. And I asked a, I asked a director one time, and I said, what? I, I, I don't understand. I don't, I, I don't know what I'm saying here. He goes, it doesn't matter. He said, just say it and say it really loudly. And I thought, what? But I did it. And here's the thing. Trusting Shakespeare knew what he was saying, so he, the words know what they're meant to mean. I don't have to know. So I don't have to get in the way of his words or his story or the muse. So step aside. Don't get away in the way of the muse. And if you don't know the words, sing louder.
3: <laughs>
0: that is that's excellent and quite profound, Megan. And, uh, you know, I, I survived four years of doing high school theater uh, just yelling everything as loud as I could because <laughs> I did often go? didn't know what the words were. So <laughs> my sister uh, producing this, who did high school theater with me, was laughing way too hard at
2: that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, so. She's born, you know. Come on, you know. What
0: it is. <laughs> um, Megan, this has been such a treat. Had I known more about this acting side of you, we would have devoted more questions to it, but it just means we
2: have to have you back on the show again and
0: ask you a bunch of those questions.
2: I would love to come back. I want to talk anime with you, too, because I, I used to do Japan anime, Record of Lotus War. I was like six different characters in that. What? <laughs> yeah. Come it's, on. I dubbed it, yeah. Don't save the gold till the end, I'm oh, sorry. I'm oh, sorry. Come on. Oh, well, you know, we'll, I, we'll, we'll, have, we'll talk about that. We you know, will. You know We're we'll just going to. Get- go
0: We're going to bump Congressman Deutsch and have you come back and talk about anime with us. I'm sure his press secretary won't mind. Oh,
2: no.
0: Megan, thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciated it. Thank
2: you for having me. Thanks. This was very, very fun.
0: (laughs) I can't believe that. Dude. Talking about leaving the good stuff right at the end like I would have never guessed.
1: (laughs) I was six characters. (laughs) What? (laughs)
0: All right, so let's let's make a note. Uh, We got to have her on back again to talk about acting in New York, and then just do a whole show with her and anime. We won't even have like an opening segment. We're just going to do sixty minutes of her and we're talking anime. It's going to be fantastic.
1: She can educate all of us.
0: (laughs) Oh my god! Uh, So I mean, what I think the thing that I dug the most about that interview, Zach, and something I want to get your perspective on about this as a working musician is the role that pivoting plays as an independent creator and how, you know, especially the best creators, like in my break, the business book talks all about this. You got to make plans. You got to set goals. You got to know what you're going to do one year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. But like the caveat to that is be prepared to crumble that up and throw it all out because circumstances are going to change. And I thought you asked the question of the night, my friend, which is, how do you know when it's time to make that pivot? How do you know when you have to abandon your plans or change your plans up? I mean, did did anything that she said there kind of resonate with you, maybe speak to some of your experience?
1: You know, what's, it sounds cliche, but I think what she said about you have to just trust your gut and surround yourself with good people, I think that's it. Yeah. I think, and make sure that the, the people you surround yourself with are people who have your best interests at heart and just know that that's not always the people you pay so just you know i I think i think there's a lot of truth to what she said um but ultimately it's your decision you gotta trust your gut but keep keep those good people around you because you're gonna need them so when you get famous don't be mean to your friends
0: (laughs) so so important okay all right i wasn't sure if we had time to do this but i think we have about two Three minutes left, and I might go a little bit over time, but I, I I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm gonna bring in this segment. I don't even think Lauren knows what I'm gonna do here because this is so off base. But la- one of the times we had you on, Zach, I played a old YouTube video from the '80s of Orson Welles, that like was so oh, hilarious. And just hearing your comment, oh, the French. And so it's made me addicted to want to just keep bringing you funny videos from the '80s that I saw. Love so. It. I don't know if you know this about me, Zach, but one of my favorite genres of music, even more favorite than like pop music, which I love, or singer-songwriter, or folk music, like the kind Megan Carey plays, my all-time favorite genre of music are 1980s football team songs, where the football team does the song, like 85 Bears Super Bowl Shuffle, I think is a damn masterpiece. It's
1: the only Um, one I know.
0: (laughs) The San Diego Superchargers theme, equally good. But I have one that's been a little forgotten to history that I think might be every bit as good. You, you might even like it more than the Super Bowl Shuffle. And I'm going to do this all on the fly right here. We haven't volume tested anything, so this could be a complete disaster. But I want to uh, reveal to you and the audience the 19 like it is 85 Los Angeles Rams song, Ram It. What? Okay? So. Just everything about this screams 80s, and I just want to play like a little bit of it for you and for everybody so we can all hear the song and just laugh at how amazing this song is together. In one of these songs, okay, it's giving you like the football dancing that you know the cheesy dancing, which is fantastic. And what else? Like the most underrated thing about this song and this video uh, is what football players look like in the '80s, because you know before like you know weight training came in and probably some steroids came in. I love that like football players in the '80s basically just look like our dad. <laughs> Like, 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 look at number twenty-one there. That guy's like probably a hundred and thirty pounds, and he's probably like their defensive lineman. Oh my god! And every single one of them raps, and and what if I told you this song, Zach, is five and a half minutes long? I mean, it just keeps going, and like, just give me give you some. Uh, Give you some comparison: Aretha Franklin singing "Nessun Dorma" at the Grammys, which is you know perhaps the greatest piece of music that's ever been captured on a recording, is four minutes and forty-five seconds.
1: Yeah, I was like five and a half minutes. Like <laughs> that's approaching Paradise City in length. That's um, so long
0: because every player on the team gets a verse. Zach, I gotta oh. say
1: this: Who decided that we they were gonna do "Mickey, You're So Fine"? But you know. Make it more chill and slow it, like, slow the vibe down. I'm <laughs> a mountain man from West V.A. They call me Herc, and I came to play. Mountain man
0: from West V.A. Oh my I came God, yeah. to play. It, it's the whole, I'm telling you, the, the song is a masterpiece. And like, I've listened, because again, I'm obsessed with this genre of music. I've listened to this song so many times. I now like it unironically. It is, it is like I and like it's the worst song to get caught humming to yourself because people are like, are you humming the Rams spirit theme from 1985? But like, yeah, yes, because I know how to ram it. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, it's so anyway, that's how we get to our, uh, our one hour mark here on the Break the Business podcast. <laughs> Not at all ashamed of it. I had to share this wonderful song with you. Our thanks to Megan Carey for joining us this week. Thanks always to Lauren for producing us. And my thanks to you, Zach Sloan, for just hanging out. Um, so excited that I'm going to be uh, hosting this show you a lot, with you a lot in 2022. It's going to be fabulous.
1: Yeah. Ram it, baby. <laughs> thank
0: you all for checking out Break the Business. We'll see you next week.